Hello and welcome to the Father's House Church. We're so glad that you're here. We hope that you feel blessed by today's message from our lead pastor, Greg Fraser. Hallelujah. Well, we're starting our Christmas series. If you haven't figured that out, we're singing some great carols and different things. And uh, we're just so thankful that we're able to do that. Amen. And uh, we're going to share in the next four weeks uh, stories from the Christmas story uh, about Zechariah, Mary, Joseph, and the shepherds, where fear uh, had the uh, ability to kind of consume their thoughts, but yet they overcame. We're going to go through that. And what we're going to see really is that uh, they're not unlike us. We can't maybe relate to the exact fear they went through, uh, but we can sure connect to that in our lives and pull some of those great thoughts out. Uh, it's interesting to me that Zechariah, uh, Mary, and the shepherds all saw angels. And uh, angels play a narrative in the Christmas story that's very powerful. Now, remember, angels, um, they're not like Tinkerbell, just so you know. And um, they're mighty warriors. Amen? Though if I saw either Tinkerbell or a mighty warrior appear to me, I think I would be afraid. And, uh, you know, the Bible talks about the fact that we see angels unaware. And, uh, you know, many times you may have encountered angels in your life sent by God to either protect you, to help you, to do something that you're totally unaware of. I, I really believe I've had angelic encounters. Can I tell you one that I believe with all my heart was an angelic encounter? Anybody? Okay, thank you. Praise God, I couldn't hear that. I was like, wow, it's going to be a long slugging match of a sermon here. So one time I was uh, newly married uh, to my wife, Betty, and um, we were in Newfoundland visiting her family. And it was an awesome trip. We uh, borrowed my brother-in-law's car and we're driving, and there was a passing lane going up a hill, which there often is when there's a steep hill, and there was a semi, so we decided to pull out and pass that semi, but what happened next was completely unexpected and terrifying in some ways, and uh, the car died. The car died, literally as we passed the semi and pulled into the lane. Now, in Newfoundland, they don't have shoulders on the road like they do in Alberta, it was maybe a foot and a half and because it's built on rock, right? It's way different there. So I'm like, oh my gosh, we're pull over right in front of the semi, okay? And, and no speed left. So I pull over as far as I can. He doesn't even beep at me. God bless him. He just swerves around me and goes up the hill and finishes his journey. But what was amazing was I was like freaking out a little bit because we're at the very top of the hill, which is not safe. You understand what I'm saying? Cars are coming up the Trans-Canada there. And uh, right behind the semi is another car. And the minute we pulled over and died, he pulls in right behind us and hits his flashers and uh, says, pop your hood. And uh, he says, I have a car just like this, so I know what to do. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? And uh, he literally, like, I don't know what he does. He pops, I pop the hood. Ten seconds later, he's like, try it again. Vroom. I'm like, wow, who are, I don't even have time to react, respond, nothing. He gets in his car and drives away. Now, I believe this was an angel for many reasons. You can understand just the fact that 
the car started instantaneously. Second, he did not have a Newfie accent. So <laughs> I was like, not that Newfoundlanders don't go to heaven, just so you, you guys are aware. But uh, <laughs> in this case, he wasn't Newfie. Um, well, he, I, I believe it was an angelic encounter. Like that just did not make sense with the whole thing that we went through there. Anyway, I digress. Let's get back into the message. Uh, but you know, I think we entertain angels unaware. And we can, as we go through this story, guys, again, we're going to relate to many of the reasons for these people's fears. Today's sermon is going to be going through the eyes of Zechariah, who was believing and trusting God. Him and his wife were praying a prayer uh, that was kind of made them feel hopeless after the prayer goes unanswered for a long season of time. How many of you have ever lived with unanswered prayers? Now, I can share with you the thousands and thousands of prayers that I've had answers to, but every once in a while, you get locked into those moments of when we have unanswered prayers, and that's what we want to focus on as we go through today's message. But let's pray and ask for God's help that we might have the wisdom to how to move forward through unanswered prayers. Father God, you are so faithful and so good. Lord, so many prayers in this room have been answered by you. But Lord, every once in a while we get stuck in the long journey of faith and trust. And we deal at times, God, with the hopelessness of unanswered prayers. So, Spirit of God, give us eyes to see today, ears to hear, hearts to receive and respond to you, God, and to learn how to live through the moments of unanswered prayers. In Christ's name, we ask these things. Amen and amen. I'm just going to have a little, little beverage here. Hang on for a moment. Thanks. <laughs> it's only half a cup. It wasn't that impressive. You're right. <laughs> well, let's read the scripture. You can follow along. We're going to be camped in Luke chapter 1 as we go into the Christmas story here, guys. And uh, I'm just going to read some of it. It's not going to come up on your screen, but then we're going to bring a portion up on our screens. Verse 5, Luke chapter 1. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were now both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Now, why is this significant? When a priest would be allowed to go into the holy place, 
and they would go in and bring, uh, bring incense, and they would fill the temple of the holy place, the area, with this incense. Now, incense represented the prayers of all the people going up before God. And so that's an important understanding because here's a guy that's had an unanswered prayer, and now he's burning the incense in the holy place going up before the Lord. Now, let's follow along. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will bring many back of the people of Israel back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the power and spirit of Elijah and turn to the, the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Well, the long-awaited answer to an old prayer is now answered. Can you imagine, and maybe you can, longing, hoping, waiting, believing God, in this case, to have a child? You know, in ancient days and even today, um, but far more even in, in the times of, of Jesus, having children represented the blessing and the favor of God. And those people that weren't able to conceive or have a child were considered that God was saying, mm, no, there's something wrong in you and uh, you're not going to have a baby. And so they've been praying, believing, and waiting for this blessing from the Lord. I mean, it's amazing to think they were righteous, but now they were older and they were childless, and this idea and this struggle that they've walked through for so long seems hopeless. You know, many of us hearing have struggled with in this place with the, the pain of loss of uh, babies and infertili infertility that has affected some of our lives. Many people have this dream deferred and comes full of devastating disappointments, you know. I would think that Zachariah and Elizabeth had prayed for many, many, many years. God, please give us a child. Their hope seemingly having passed, Elizabeth's womb remaining empty, we find this story starting with Zechariah. Now, it's interesting that he's faithfully going about his priestly responsibilities, that he was righteous and upright in God's sight. He was blameless. And then something extraordinary happens, right? The declaration of the angel. Have you in your life, sometimes, maybe often, you ever felt your prayers go unanswered? You know, here's the real question of what do we do then? Have you ever been stuck in a moment where you're like, God, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm seeking you. What's going wrong? What are you doing? Why aren't you answering this prayer? And you're crying out to the Lord continually. But there's a real question to me because there are times in our lives when a prayer can go unanswered for a long period of time. The Bible says that the righteous live from faith to faith. And that's the way we're to live. We're to go from trusting God to trusting God. 
What we don't see in the Bible is that word T-O-2 is the longest word in the Bible. Some of us don't understand that until we go through a two. Have you ever been through a two, right? You're like, God, I live from faith to faith, but it's not that short. It's two, 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 two. You ever been there? <laughs> you ever been there? And you're like, seriously, God, it's been a while here. I've been in the two moment. But you know, there's something for you to do. Because there comes a moment in your life where you're like, Lord, do, am I just stuck here? Or what do you have for me? One of my favorite scriptures when I'm living in a two moment is to go to uh, Proverbs chapter three. It says, this is in verse five, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him or submit to him and he will make your path straight. And so that's a tough scripture when you're living it. I brought you, I've acknowledged the thing I'm asking for. I've acknowledged all the possibilities that lay in front of me, God, uh, but you don't seem to be answering me. You don't seem to be giving me a clear direction. But as we do that, what surrounds that verse, you guys, uh, what surrounds that verse actually gives us instructions of what to do when we're in our two. And what it says in verse one, the bookends, I call them the bookends of this Proverbs chapter three, the bookends start with remain teachable. Verse one and two, just remain teachable. As you're going through a two, remain teachable. The next verses I love, it's verses three and four, it says, remain loving and faithful. You know, loving is like loving the Lord, loving others, you know, even loving ourselves as we go through this two moment. And it's great instruction, you know, but the Bible says, you know, like uh, as I'm loving other people, you know, the Bible even warns us. It says, um, you know, many a man claim to be, have unfailing love, but a faithful man who can find you know, you ever been through that moment of pressure? This is not getting an answer. I, I, why is this prayer remaining unanswered? And, and it's like, now God says, will you be faithful? Will you be faithful as you're waiting for this prayer to be answered for your life? Amen? Now, the other bookend is just as good. Remain humble and in the fear of the Lord. You know, God, I, I, I reverence you too much. I'm not going to break covenant with you, even though this is hard. And then it goes on and talks about remain generous. Keep giving. Keep serving. Amazing. Keep doing that. And remain open to the Lord's training. It's amazing. The bookends are remain teachable and remain humble before the Lord as He trains you, as He disciplines you. And that's an incredible thought. You know, as I go to church, I'm often amazed by people often that they live in the midst of a two and they're so faithful and they're so loving and they're so generous and yet they have this overarching unanswered prayer and you just say, wow, what a faithful witness of God's mercy and love, remaining faithful to God even when they're not getting an answer to this prayer. And yet I've often seen as well Christians in that moment 
who say, you know, it's kind of like they try to hold God hostage. God, unless you answer this prayer, I'm going to stop going to church. I'm going to stop giving. And I'm going to go back to the world, God. And you ever drank poison and expected the other person to die? (laughs) Don't. (laughs) Oh, man. Yesterday, I have these three pills I take. They were on the counter. My sister sprayed the counter with bleach. And she's like, oh, I think I got some stuff on your pills. And then she tries wiping them off like... Like, I'm going to take those now. <laughs> like, I'm not going to do that. You can just throw those ones in the garbage. But thank you. Thank you for not leaving them on the counter full of bleach. I appreciate you telling me that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Zachariah, you guys, remained faithful. Amen? All through his life, he'd lost hope of this unanswered prayer. You know, and that's what we have to do. Even though some of our prayers are like long-awaited answers that seem hopeless now. But then comes the astonishing answer to the prayer. You see, not only are you going to have a child, Zechariah and Elizabeth, but he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will lead many back to God. He will turn many hearts back to, back to God, but the hearts of also to parents back to children and children back to obedience before the Lord and wisdom and understanding and righteousness before God. Now, there's a tagline in what I read to you in the, in the Scripture that you can run right over it. And if you run right over it uh, and don't understand the significance of it, which we're going to look at in a minute, you could miss a whole intricate part of that story. He says about the child that they're going to have, he is going to come in the spirit and the power of Elijah. Now, we might not recognize this right off the bat, but if you were a Jewish person who was following the law and understood the promises of the Old Testament, this would immediately trigger you because in the Old Testament, it was predicted that when Elijah returns, remember Elijah was taken up from this world and the Bible says when he returns, that's going to be a sign to all of you that the the Messiah is about to come. And so this is the storyline of John the Baptist, and it's prophesied over him. It predicts that Elijah's coming will also be the coming of the Lord. It's found in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. It says, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents or else I will come and strike the land with a total destruction. Isaiah 40 is another place that the voice of one crying in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. And what was Elijah? He came preparing the way for the Lord, crying out. This, this prophetic moment is coming upon us in history at the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, it's interesting to me that the Jewish people still to this day on Passover feast, on that weekend, they leave an empty chair at the table. And the empty chair is meant for Elijah. Because they're saying, come Elijah, so that we might know that the Lord is coming for his people. We might know that the Savior is on the scene. Hallelujah. And so it's still to this day, it's in Jewish homes and families, that empty chair for Elijah. You know, 
Elijah's return, it's interesting, was to turn the hearts of fathers and children to each other. In other words, the goal would be a thing called reconciliation. You know, how many know that Jesus' entire ministry was to reconcile us to God, to reconcile us to ourselves, and to reconcile us to each other? That was his whole ministry, that he came to do this incredible thing, that we would be turned back to God. Jesus reveals in the New Testament Gospels, Jesus actually tells them, tells all of us this incredible fact. He says, uh, John the Baptist was the fulfillment of Malachi's prophecy. He says, all the prophets of the law that prophesied until John have done so. And if you are willing to receive it, he is the Elijah who is to come. Wow, really? Matthew 11, you can read about in 13, 14. Mark 1, 2 to 4. Luke 1, 17 and 7, 27. Matthew 17, 10 to 13. All these places, Jesus says, this is the Elijah who was to come. And he's telling us this prophecy has been fulfilled. You know what's extraordinary about that? When the Jewish people, particularly the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the leaders, they asked Elijah, or they asked John the Baptist this, are you the Elijah who is to come? Do you know what he answered? No. You say, well, how is that possible? Pastor Greg? Because he was unaware of what God was aware of. How many of you know that your lives can have spectacular meaning and purpose, and you don't even know it. You don't even know the effect that your life is having. You don't even understand. And one day in eternity, for eternity, that is going to be celebrated. You don't know because you're so focused on those things that you're going through sometimes, you don't realize how important uh, what you're going through is to God. I love this thought. I thought of this as I was preparing the message. While we were waiting and longing for the Lord to answer our prayers, did you ever consider that what He is doing in us is far more important than what He's doing for us? God, I never knew. I never knew when you get to eternity. God is going to celebrate you in eternity, for eternity. You're going to say, God, when did I help that nation? I don't understand it. When you sent a shoebox, do you remember? That kid got saved in a church, and then that kid went on to become a great evangelist in his nation, and you get credit for that. You know, when you serve a prophet church, you get a prophet's reward. When you serve somebody else, you don't know the effect that that had on their life, and that effect will be celebrated in eternity, for eternity. You get the same reward. It's going to take eternity just to go through all the rewards. You're like, I didn't know. I didn't know, God. I didn't know. Wow, God. Wow. That's incredible. You know, one day we're going to go before the Lord, and the Bible says that all the wood, hay, and stubble of our lives will be burnt up and judged. Oh, my gosh, what a terrible day. You know, I always say, I don't want the bonfire to be too big when I'm, you know, being judged by the Lord. People are backing off. They're like, oh, my gosh back up the angels and back away. <laughs> but you see, not only is our wood, hay, and stubble being judged, but our rewards are about to come to us. You know, the day of judgment before the Lord is very, very different for a Christian than a non-Christian. 
Because the day of judgment sets the gold and the silver of your rewards will be handed to you. Now, it's not going to be physical gold. The only more gold is pavement in heaven, okay? Like, wow. <laughs> you know, you don't want that. But your rewards are going to be on display in eternity for eternity. We don't even comprehend what that means. But you know, the Bible actually tells us, I think it's 28 places, but say over 20, just to be safe, of the rewards in heaven that God measures in our life. (laughs) They're broken even into categories. I have, or I haven't done it, but I've gleaned this from others. There are the character tests that you go through. Are you godly? Are your motives pure? What are your attitudes like? Whew. I got some attitudes right now, you know what I'm saying? I think about government sometimes today, and I'm like, I got some serious attitudinal adjustment, Holy Spirit. You got to help me here, because I'm commanded to pray for those in leadership. Dear God, let's not even talk about it anymore. We'll just put it under the blood, amen? How many of there are external tests that you go through? Persecution and rejection. You ever been through rejection? How do you handle it? The Lord's watching. Overcoming trials. Anybody ever been through a trial in this room? You're going to be tested and rewarded. You ever overcome the world in so many ways? God help you. You're going to be tested and rewarded. There's stewardship tests in the Bible. How you manage your time, your temple, that's being yourself, our talents, our treasures, and our tongue. All those things are going to be measured by God. They're keeping a record. All of it, the book of remembrance, God's recording it. There's a recording angel writing those things down with your name next to them. We don't even comprehend this. We're so worried about building our RSPs for this life. Guys, this is nothing. It's nothing. It's but a drop in eternity. We've got to turn our focus, our ideas and thoughts on how do I build an eternal reward, the true RRSPs, amen? You know, our giving, as we've said, do you know one in seven passages in the gospel is about money? One in seven of Jesus' teaching is on management and stewardship and are we generous or are we think? Are we joyful in our giving? Are we sacrificial? Are we meeting needs of people? Are we wise and discerning in how we spend? Jesus told us in Luke 16, I tell you, use your worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself and when, you, when you, it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Over 700 shoeboxes were filled by you guys. 750. That's incredible. Now, some of you went out and filled your own boxes. You didn't even, you know, fill the box from the stuff that was here. You filled your own boxes, so that was an expense. And then you had to ship those boxes. And it was $40 for each box. So 40, guys, 40 times 750. You know, over 30,000, well over $30,000 came from this church. Just in that alone. Amen. Give it up for the Lord. Amen. Now that's over and above the giving that you guys do to help keep the lights on and to pay the pastor's salaries and all the things that you give so much already toward that money. So this year, I was thinking about this, just this year, in terms of missions, over and above, you know, we, we built a well in Haiti 
And we raised over $14,000 to do that. That's a miracle. You know, we did so many things at, at like Trunk or Treat and other things just this year that God has poured into people's lives through this church. Amen? There are relational things that are going to be, be in our lives. God, how our serving will be measured, our power and authority. You know what that means? Your power and authority being measured? It means the power entrusted to you, God will measure how you use that power. But he'll also measure how you submit to the powers that are over you. And all that's going to be rewarded one day. Amen? You're like, oh, okay, here we go. All these incredible things you're serving, right? How you labored in your job. There are relational tests, so many relational tests with God, your childlikeness toward Him, longing for His return, your prayer and seeking of Him, your loving of Him. With others inside the church, did you honor, receive, and welcome and care for God's servants? Did you minister to other Christians? Listen to what Hebrews 6.10 says. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have known, uh, shown Him as you have helped the people of God and continue to help them. Isn't that great? As you serve those people, with our families, it's going to be, with neighbors, are you hospitable? The words that we speak to others, are you a soul winner? The Bible says that you're going to be, if you're a witness for the Lord, that's going to be remembered in eternity for eternity. Daniel 12 tells us that, right? Many who lead many others to righteousness will shine like the stars forever in eternity. Wow. Wow. God, I'm not like a shooting star. I'm a star that keeps blazing and blazing and blazing because, God, I have helped lead others into an eternal relationship with you. You're so good, God. You're so good, God. You know, even with our enemies is going to be measured. How did I treat my enemies? Did I love them? Even despite their, them despitefully using me. Oh, God, help me. Amen? Okay, so you're getting rewarded one day, church. Amen? Oh my gosh, the weakest amen I've ever heard. <laughs> it's like, I just want to eat my Doritos. That's all I'm really, I really want to do. Throw down the Doritos and throw up your hands to Jesus and say, God, use me. Amen? amen. Hallelujah. There we go. That's, whew, thank you, God. I thought I had to end the sermon right there. <laughs> you're like, that's all it takes? Okay, next time we're not shouting. <laughs> now here's here's what's incredible as we're going through this story Zachariah's astonishing answer to the angel's declaration I'll just read it to you it's not going to come up on your screen oh it is Zachariah asked the angel how can I be sure of this I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years it's like he didn't hear a word the guy said the angel said the angel said to him, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God. And I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day it happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. I can't say the angel Gabriel had attitude, but I would have attitude. 
I mean, he just speaks this incredible declaration over this child, right? And it's like, your child is going to be this. He's going to be great. He is the one coming in the spirit and the power of Elijah. Woo! What's his answer? How can I be sure of this? Right? I'm an old man. My wife's well along in years. Come on. And the angel's like, are you kidding me, man? Right? And he's like, he lays out his credentials. I am Gabriel. <laughs> I stand in the presence of the living God. <laughs> this is not just like if there could be one little angel. This is Gabriel, one of the archangels, an angel in charge of angels. You following what I'm saying? The chief messenger angel of God. He's literally in the presence of God. Do you guys understand the incredible gift of being in the presence of God, which you get every week. Every week. I don't really like this song. Who cares if you don't like this song? You get to be in the presence of the living God with His people. Celebrate, shout. Sit behind William if you need motivation as to what to do. Every time I turn, William, every time I turn my head toward you, I just worship. Uh, amen. I'm like, I'm not worshiping enough, God. Today, he was doing the full-on eagle. He was like, woo, touchdown. It was like, I'm with you, God. Amen. Oh, come on now. Fill the seats behind that guy and just get blessed and, and encouraged. Amen. But Zechariah, by his reaction, shows how much unanswered prayer has crushed his hope. How much it's crushed his hope over the years. And in our doubt at times in our lives, we're not getting a prayer answered. We feel very discouraged. And sometimes we really lack faith. We think things like our prayers healing and hitting the ceiling. Maybe they didn't reach God's ears. Maybe it's a lack of faith or a lack of obedience, we think. Or even worse, God has heard our prayer, but He's not hearing and answering. Wow. So I don't know what your unanswered prayer has been. You're praying for God to fulfill a destiny, a blessing, a family, a career, a relationship. Praying maybe for freedom from addiction or suffering or pain. Maybe you're praying for the salvation of a spouse or a child, or close friend. It's so hard when you're hitting a wall there. For mental, emotional, physical healing in your life. There's so many unanswered prayers, we seem to think. And out of, after years of commitment, you know, sometimes we give up out of discouragement. And this seems like the case for Zechariah. God didn't answer his prayer the way he expected it and when he expected it. But you and I have to learn to live in faith in spite of unanswered prayers. You see, God, God didn't cause him to lose his voice, to punish him. What happened there was he said, you're not speaking in faith right now, brother. So I'm going to just, shh, you can't talk. You're done talking for about nine months. 
give or take a day. Amen? Why is that important? 2 Corinthians 4. It is written. Check this out, church. This is for you. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Amen? Guys, listen to me. Faith is not an emotion. Faith is an action. And you can say, I don't feel like having faith, and I don't feel to uh, gratitude, and I don't feel like, and I don't feel like, but it doesn't matter. God, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to believe you, and I'm going to keep holding to you, Lord. Sometimes your two is long, you guys. Well, here's the end of the story and how we can maybe take some thoughts out of it. I'm going to read a bit, and then it's going to come up on the screen. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Surprise, surprise. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy and shared in her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, his name will be John. They said to her, There's no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made a sign to the father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue was set free, and he began to speak, praising God. No kidding. All the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about it and about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. Whew. Guys, you understand, Zechariah waited for months, and the moment of faith came back around. And when he said his name will be John because the angel told me to name him that, guess what happened? His tongue was loosed. And man, he rips into one of the greatest praise sections in Scripture. It's awesome what he does. And we're going to read a portion of that before communion. Hallelujah. He's given another chance to respond. You know, John's name means this. God is gracious. God is full of grace and mercy. Hallelujah. So how do we live out our faith when we have unanswered prayers? Well, again, Proverbs 3 told us, remain faithful to what is right in front of you. Act in faith when the new opportunity comes and presents itself to you. God is good no matter what you're going through in your life. And if you have to go around the mountain a few times, God will bring you back to a point of faith. And when he does, respond to him. Amen? Well, there are astonishing. I, I thought about the stories of people who despite unanswered prayers, despite terrible suffering, remained faithful. And that's what God is leading us into. Will we trust in his promises? Will we surrender to his timing? Will we acknowledge that God's ways are not our ways? 
And will we understand that God is working in us for good? What he's doing in us is often more important than what he's doing for us. Let's take that thought and understand it. Well, let me close with a story. and The band's going to come back. This is the story of the song. We're not going to sing it tonight or today, but it is well with my soul. It's an incredible story behind that hymn that I'm going to share with you right now. The man's name was Horatio G. Spafford. He was a successful lawyer and businessman in Chicago with a lovely family. He had five children, but they were not strangers to tears and tragedy. Their young son died of pneumonia in 1871, and that same year, the great Chicago fire happened that destroyed almost all of his businesses. And yet God allowed him to reflourish with his businesses. A few years later, in November 21st, 1873, his wife and four daughters were on the ocean liner Vilda Havre and were crossing the Atlantic from the U.S. to Europe with 313 passengers aboard. Among the passengers were Mrs. Spafford and their four daughters. Although uh, Horatio Spafford had decided to go with them, a business emergency came up, so he had to stay behind while he, his wife and four daughters crossed the Atlantic to Europe. He said, I'll, I'll be with you, be, uh, join you shortly. I'm just going to stay and clear this up, and then I'm going to come to Europe. But as they were crossing the Atlantic, Atlantic, the ship collided with an ironclad Scottish ship that crushed the hull instantly. And water began to pour into their ship at an alarming rate. Anna hurriedly uh, found her four daughters, brought them up on the deck. They knelt down and they began to pray, God spare us, but we place ourselves in your hands. Within 12 minutes, this whole huge ocean liner sunk. And as they were in the dark waters, 226 of the passengers were lost including the four Spafford children. The sailor uh, rode a, was riding a, a rescue boat, just paddling, looking for survivors. He found Mrs. Spafford clinging to a piece of the crushed ship, brought her aboard, and when she got to Europe, she instantly sent a message to her, hum, hum, her husband, saved alone, what shall I do? Mr. Spafford telegrammed her back. He said, I'm on my way. Mrs. Spafford was quoted by a pastor saying this, God gave me four daughters. Now they've been taken from me. Someday I will understand this. Mr. Spafford on his way, crossing the Atlantic himself now. The captain went and got him and said, this is the spot where the liner went down. And so he stood over the waters, went back to his cabin, and he started to pen this song. He wrote this song, It Is Well with my soul.
when peace like a river attendeth my way, or when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. You know, there's a peace, guys, that passes understanding, that comes to guard in our heart and our mind in Christ Jesus, even when we have unanswered prayers. God is present with us. God is present with us as we go through those moments of why God? What's going on, God? God is with you. And so God is trusting us in the midst of those things. He's saying to us, will you keep being loving and faithful? Will you keep serving? Will you keep giving? Will you keep trusting? You know, guys, there's a God who loves you even through your challenges. This is his word for all of us who live with unanswered prayers. So I want to pray for you today. For those of you who are in the midst of the challenges of a two moment, facing unanswered prayers, saying, God, what do I do? Maybe you're losing hope. Maybe you have lost hope. But God says, come back to me. Trust me. Keep trusting. Even if your two keeps going. But I want to read to you the end of what happens at the story after his tongue is loosed. Some of the most beautiful scripture. See, I believe that Zechariah after this incredible doc pres, you know, statement, you're going to have a son. And he's coming in the spirit and power of Elijah. And he as a priest would know all that meant. And he would go, he, I believe he went back in the Old Testament while he was silent and learned and relearned and restudied and looked at it. And this is what he starts to declare when his mouth is open. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied, which just means proclaim the future. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as it was prophesied through the Holy Scriptures long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore with our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And you, my child, will be called the prophet of the Most High and you will go on and prepare the way for him and to give people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising of the sun will come to us from heaven. Amen. 
Thanks for joining us today. For more on our messages or information about our ministries, you can visit tfhchurch.ca. We hope you have a great week.